Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Want to teach your kids financial literacy but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. Girls is the name of a band and solo music moniker belonging to Meg Remy, who currently calls Toronto, Ontario home. Originally from Chicago, Remy is an adored and uncompromising creative force who has lived in Canada since 2010, where she has been nominated for this country's prestigious Polaris Music Prize twice, including a 2018 nod for her wondrous multi-layered new album in a poem unlimited which is out now via 4AD and Royal Mountain Records. Meg and I spoke together at Jules Cafe when she was on the show in September of 2016 to discuss her last album, Half Free. She suggested that we meet at Jules Cafe again to have a talk about In a Poem Unlimited, and once again, we had a wide-ranging conversation about life and the world and how such things are reflected within one of the finest pop albums of the year. With in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, and Planet of Sound locations in Ottawa and Toronto, and of course, listeners like you who subscribe to this podcast, download episodes, and make flexible monthly pledges at patreon.com slash Control. This is the 407th episode of Creative Control, featuring Meg Remy of U.S. Girls, with your host, me, Vish Khanna.
pretty good. Good. Thanks for uh, having me back. At, I kind of feel like you own Jules Cafe. I just filled out a survey, <laughs> so I don't own it. I'm just a customer. What did you say in your survey? What, what, what needs to be changed? I said nothing. I put love it for every column. They had like love it, like it, leave it or something. Oh, and okay. I put love it, and I said keep up the good work. It There's nothing I don't like about this place. The staff is great, and its prices are good, and everything's made fresh downstairs and free w- whiffy. Yeah, that's why you come here. <laughs> but the last time, the reason this is a bit of a reunion is because the last time you were on the show, mm-hmm. which was, I think, September 2016, October mm-hmm. 2016, something like that. No, September. It was ahead of the Polaris music Yeah. Fest. You said to meet here. Which yeah. Is, it's around the corner from your house or something. Right? Yeah. So... This is a, uh, we're going back. Yeah. Together, and it feels the same. And they painted it red. Oh, they did? What yeah. Do you, did you uh, mention that in the survey? No. I, that's actually something I would change. I, I, red is a bit, it feels uh, yeah, claustrophobic. Yeah, it's not good. Dark colors just make things seem smaller, don't they? Yeah. It's I've also just kind of like meat, meaty yeah. or something, yes, like, like being shop. inside yeah. of some meat. <laughs> well, I, I really do appreciate the time because you've been yeah. busy. You're home from the road a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. How's the road been? Good. Yeah? Yeah. Do you, I forget. Do you like touring? Yeah, I like touring. I like performing. Yes. I don't love, you know, everything else that comes with it, but... Are you impatient? Do you hate the waiting? Do you hate the... It's just like, it, it becomes a little bit Groundhog Day-ish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the getting up and then you're getting in the van and you get to the venue, unload, set up, wait, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you change uh, your set list every night? No, but on the road, like a couple times a tour. Yeah, they just switch it up. Yeah, change like order, or add a, put a new song in or mm-hmm. something like this. But yeah, always throughout the length of a tour will change it never stays fully okay well one of the reasons i ask is because this record in a poem unlimited it's been out uh how long now a couple months since february February, a few months oh, yeah God, yeah a long time and um i i'm curious when you bring a record like this one which it sounds very elaborate mm-hmm. it sounds like quite a production yeah when you bring it on the road i assume you gain some perspective on it that's yeah. what most people would do. <laughs> do you yeah. have some perspective on maybe what's happening on Whoa. this record? Yeah, that's a some kind of coffee machine, or are they mixing paint? What are they doing? I, maybe well, maybe I, they heard us and they're going to repaint the I room. I think right they're now. making a smoothie. Oh well, that's what it is. Smoothies for such a gentle <laughs> drink are very like wow. noisy to make. It's How true. was that on your headphones? Oh, it's good. Okay, cool. I heard it, if that's what you're asking. Oh, yeah. This happened um, the last time we were here. I remember there's lots of I mean, of this, is a, this is real. It's real. It's Verite. We talked about Verite yes. the last time, too, as I recall. Yeah. John uh, Cassavetes. You were a big <laughs> Cassavetes fan, as I recall. Anyway, I'm, I'm just going back to that time. It's, I'm, I'm not normally nostalgic, <laughs> but sorry. Anyway, back to um, the record. Perspective on it. Yeah, like, I mean... Yeah, I mean... No, I mean... Mostly what I gain from touring a record is how to sing it better. Yeah, that's perspective, though. Yeah. Because the Frozen arc Artifact yeah. is what it was, and you probably had deadlines and all that stuff. And Yeah. Time. Well, it's just often, like, I would like to do it where I... It would be interesting to tour a record, then record it. Yeah. You know, if but that's not possible. If, it could be possible huh. if you were at such a level that, you know... 
people are just coming to see you no matter what and yeah. you don't have to be put through the machine but you know it would be because you the songs get better they do you know after you play they them get, and you learn them and you live in them they get warmer um, yeah yeah and just uh, yeah you get more comfortable in them so that would be an interesting thing to do it's you not i mean i'm not going to do it but <laughs> I think it you're would not, be really you're interesting. Not, you're not a, the type of artist, I don't think, that kind of road tests materials. So no, to speak. no, that doesn't happen. You keep it, you keep it to yourself until you're done the record. Because you're yeah, because I'm not like someone that's sitting around playing guitar. Yeah, yeah, that's you right. know, it's yeah. not really, you know, music is like hardly my medium. Right, it's not your medium. It's like hardly, you know what I mean, like. It's just like one of my mediums, and like the way that I use it is, it's it's just different than someone who's a song, you know, like a kind of typical songwriter who yeah. does sit down and play guitar, or play piano, or like, you know, that's just yeah. Are you saying are you saying it's just not your primary form? It, I, I think it's your primary form of expression. <laughs> is it not? I mean, I. I, I mean, it is. Yeah. By default, almost, or something. You know, it's just like... I, I don't... It's hard to explain. Okay. Yeah. It's an interesting conundrum that I've not heard you talk about before, <laughs> that music is not your primary... Oh, okay, how about this? Well, well here, you know, it's too bad Max isn't here because he can, like... You know, I'm always saying to him, like, I'm not a musician. It's because I'm not a typical musician, you know, that I say that. I am a musician... I make a living, yeah. you know, off of doing it. It's just in a different way than most people are doing it. I'm more of like a music curator, right? I'm more of like a vibe writer or like a, you know, a s not a s singer-songwriter. I'm like a s story writer, so a, a vibe writer, whatever. Something like this that's like, it could easily be an idea for a film or like yeah. a collage that I'm going to do or like a essay or I don't know you know it yeah. doesn't it's just like music is it's a there's a lot of reasons for why it's kind of the focus it's just like where the most opportunities are for me right now because I've been building in this music zone and because it's very quick to get to people right On so it's level, like a yeah. shortcut um, which I would like to go you know I'd like to work in the more long way sometime yeah. soon yeah i mean i want to ask about some of the narrative aspects of the record in a mm -hmm. moment but you alluded to max yeah uh who's your collaborative and part he's your partner yeah and darlene shrug was on this show a few months ago now uh -huh. i can't remember when it was but we and you're in that band as well yeah and i was just thinking back to this whole idea of touring a record before you make it yeah i feel like darlene shrug kind of did that we did that yeah we did that to an extent. Except like you played a lot before you made the record. We did play a bit. It's just the record took so long that it was actually like... I feel like everything was recorded and sat for a bit. Right. More so than... You know what I mean? Sure. Like the order's a little... But we did do that. And so what was that like for you? Like that notion of taking things... I mean, I think when we went to record, we were just... It was pretty confident. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because we knew our parts and it was... You, we weren't really sorting anything out in the studio. Right. It was more like anything that was being sorted out was extra embellishment, not core songwriting, arrangement right. stuff per se. 
Because if I if memory serves and my yeah. understanding of Darlene Shrug is correct, Sim- yeah. Simone TB Max they'll work on the music stuff with the ice cream people as well. Mm-hmm. And then you were primarily the lyricist, sometimes singer. Yeah. Did writing and singing in Darlene Shrug influence anything? Sure. Yeah. It. I mean, it taught me about background. Oh, there's my friend. Hello. Oh yeah. Hello. I met her earlier. Wait, who's your friend? The little baby. Do you know the baby's she name? She really is into me. See? Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Babies are just, they're into everything. Plus, we're holding these microphones. I know. Like, whoa, toys. Yeah, toys. Um, exactly. yeah. Darlene taught me how d- about backing vocals. Oh, okay. And, like, how, what you can do with those and how they're, like, an instrument and what they add and, like, adding layers and, like, call and response things and introducing different characters through background vocals and things like that. So it really... Um, it helped me a lot. And just more confidence in singing. Because to write for, say, like Carlin and Amanda, yeah. and then have them sing it, it made me feel like I was a better singer because I could write for them, and they're such good singers. Right. You know, like what I wrote worked. And I was like, oh, I can do this. Listen to how great they sound. Right. So it was a confidence thing. So you, you just... You invoke the phrase characters there, or the word characters there. Yeah. And I wonder if you mean characteristics of a song or, or of a background singer, or do you, because we're going to get to this narrative stuff in a moment, do you actually mean, you know, characters in a song? Yeah, yeah. The latter? I mean both, but mostly yeah. characters in a song. Like like for Darlene, for sure, there's, on a song like, there's a song Pete Rose Boogie where it's, you know, that song is kind of a funny one. We named it after our friend's cat named Pete Rose, who's like this beautiful cat. It's like the most beautiful cat you've ever seen, but it's like so dumb. Yeah, it's a dumb cat. Like runs into the wall and it's like always falling and right. And so in that song, Max is talking to a woman being like, yeah, you're hot stuff, but you're dumb or whatever. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. a controversial idea for Max to be singing about. And then the wind. Ma- Amanda and I are these women that are coming in and saying, he, like, he's right. <laughs> we feel the same way about this woman. And it's almost like these Muppet characters coming in to oh, back them up, right? So, you know, they're not necessarily characters like some character at the when you're reading the intro to a play where it's like, this person's this. It's not like that. It can be like a character that's just like a, the chorus, right, yeah, as yeah. a character. Right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, that gr- make- you know. Yeah, you do that. That is a thing you do. Yeah. And I can see why you are like, music is a medium I'm in now, but I'd like to do, I don't know, we're getting into like novels, screenplay territory, like scenes. Like on some, rec- on some level, your records are a series of scenes. Yeah, well, when I was making this record, I was trying to write a play at the same time. And that some of that was just like, I, it wasn't like I had a set idea for the play I was just trying to write dialogue and and I didn't realize that the play I was making was this album right and Max I would be like I'm making a play and Max would be like no you're not (laughs) where is it you know I'd be like trust me it's there you know like so because I mean I really think that you can do anything and if it's like in your mind what you're doing is a play it's a play now when you say it's a play uh, do you definitively mean a play? You didn't mean a musical. No. It's not a musical. No. Darlene's more a musical. Yeah, that's right. Okay, that's interesting. So. But it's just like, who's to say I'm not making a movie? 
I, in my head. You I, know what I mean? Like, there are, or like sometimes I don't know if you ever had this, but like, I mean, I grew up watching MTV nonstop. Yeah. Sometimes if you're walking down the street in the right way, in the lights the right way or something, it's like, I'm in a music video right yeah, now. Sure, right? Sure. And who says you're not? Like, because you're most likely being filmed by surveillance camera on the street <laughs> or something. You know, like, I mean, especially now, like, things are just getting really blurred on what's reality and what's not. And, like, yeah. you know. What is it about now that's doing that, do you think? Or where, how is that manifesting itself? When you say now, I'm just curious what you I mean. I think it's just now in terms of what's really big for me is just how much we're being surveilled yeah. while at the same time surveilling ourselves, like right. by presenting our online personas. Yeah. Yeah. So that really makes a really strange duality happen that I think makes everything the edges really the boundaries kind of disappear yeah like two or three years ago someone could say what are you mad at me about it was only i only said that to you on facebook but i'm like yeah but it's a real thing that you said and that is your avatar like that is you but people some people were like that that's just a persona i have well some people live more online yeah than in real life yeah, but yeah. I mean, online is real life. I know. Now, that's what so I, I, I always thought it was. That was my thing. So people would be like, "Why are you offended by something that someone said on Facebook?" Yeah. I'm like, "Well, why wouldn't I be? Like, it's the same yeah. as them emailing it to me. And email, like, it's all the same. Yeah, it's a conveyance of communication. I don't anyway. Yeah. I do think it's striking that you talk about these scenes, this play. There's a lot of your lyrics are dialogue. Uh-huh. A lot of they're quotes, and I find that this all ties in now this makes when you contextualize the record this way (laughs) it makes more sense and i want to ask you about a few of the songs okay because i find them very fascinating and uh velvet for sale for example this is a song that i i think invokes domestic violence perhaps yeah but but also gunplay yeah (laughs) and i just thought that was a curious stance to take it I'm not judging what's going on in the song, but can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I don't even think it's particularly not just domestic violence. The more overall idea is coming from being a woman and, like, if you're a woman who, for me, a woman who lives in a city, mostly lived in a city setting as an adult, it's happened to me. It hasn't gotten any less. Yeah. A little bit less since moving to Canada, but not even that less. That you're walking down the street, and all of a sudden there's a man behind you. You're freaked out. That yeah. man could be in a suit. That man could be in rags. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You're on a subway car, and you're the only one on there, and a guy gets on. You're freaked out. You know, like, you're constantly aware of your body, your body in the space, where you are, where's your exits, where's your whatever. Yeah. What can you use as a weapon if you need to? And how that's so disappointing, you know, that's that's what and that won't go away. I mean I don't that's forever and yeah. that's just something you have to contend with, uh, being a woman. So I started thinking then about gun violence, yeah. how all these shootings that happen are men. Mm. <laughs> like most, you know, yep, 99.9% yep. of them are men. Yep. And how funny it is that the people that perpetuate, you know, that are the 
ones carrying out this violence are like the ones that don't need the weapons necessarily, right? So, or like, w that's not the right way of saying it. Imag like, women are the ones should be maybe having the guns. Men already have power. Uh, there's already a power dynamic at play. Why would they need to elevate it, escalate it? Why do they gotta, you know, carry it out again through violence yeah. to show that they have that power? I think it's because they feel powerlessness yeah. with all the power, whatever. What if, so this got me thinking, right? What if women started caring as a thing that caught on and you, we just started shooting guys when they started mm -hmm. saying shit to us, touching us, you know, like if I had a gun every time that some guy grabbed my ass at a show or whatever, like my body count would be fucking high. Yes, I can see that so what if but that's not in our nature like it most likely would never happen that this that we would could whatever it got me thinking of this idea of so these two women talking and the one woman is saying like i i can't sleep at night i'm sick of walking down the street scared you know yeah and the, and the other woman is saying well i got a gun and like i'm never going back like i feel like a man now uh -huh. you know i feel safe and da, 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 and like She's trying to convince the other woman to get a gun and also trying to convince her to, like, let's go on this killing spree. So, okay, so there's a certain amount of gentility involved in the arguments <laughs> uh, regarding gun control. I think of you as a progressive voice. This notion of, uh, this is close to, I'm not, don't get me wrong, I know you, I know where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah. But this is close to we have to arm the teachers. Like, this is oh, getting yeah. into that territory. But I know. Escalating I, violence to counter violence. And I'm a pacifist. I don't agree with this point. But you've, with this but you've point. created this Yeah, song. but you have yeah. to, like, it's, I feel like this is where you should be dissect, you know, like, exploring these themes yeah. is through art and stuff. And I definitely think that, like, the only way to understand this stuff is to, like, I'm against guns, but I should be like thinking about why people are using them, yeah. what it makes it feel like to have one. Right. Instead of just being like, I'm against it, I'm not going to go there. I have to understand how both sides could possibly work. But this is like you know, like you don't, and that's part of the issue right now is like people are only reading the news that they want to read, right? That fits them. They're like, these are my sources. I trust this. I'm only going to this. When really, we should be reading Fox News. We should be reading all this stuff so that we're understanding what big manipulation is going on and why a, people, yeah. of course, you, you know, like everyone's curated their existence to such an extent that we can't actually relate. Yeah, I think you're making, and I don't know what you make of him or his show, but you're making kind of a real time with Bill Maher argument. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know him, Okay, really. so he does this, and I think what you're speaking to is what a lot of us have woken up to. Like we live, some of us live in vacuums and bubbles, and now I'm, yeah, vacuums and bubbles. I think yeah. they both work in this case. And I think there was a time where we just wouldn't give those voices a platform in whatever sphere we occupy or platform we yeah. control. Yeah. And that was thought to marginalize such voices, NRA, whoever. And what we've learned, and that's a big thing was with the Obama presidency. At some point, they just froze out Fox News because Fox News and the Republicans weren't yeah. playing ball. I bring these examples up because you're American, yeah. quasi-American, semi-American. Yeah. So that's the only reason I bring it up. But 
this current time that we're going through, a lot of the anger that we're facing and all the conflict and sort of interpersonal conflict stems from that. Yeah. You ignored us. You ignored the situation. And by ignoring it, it exacerbated itself. Yeah. So I think that's sort of what you're saying. Yeah. We have like, to be aware. I mean, I'm saying a lot. And part of, <laughs> of like writing that song is just that it's like provocative. It is. You know, like, and and working with this idea of like kind of, a lot of times when we see women in culture portrayed with a gun, it's like sexy. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. noir. It's like kind of like they're where it's like if you've actually shot a gun, it's terrifying. Have you done you that? have yeah. You've I grew up gun? with guns. You grew up with guns. And like you've got to focus, and there's so much protocol around it, and like you're not holding it one-handed, popping off. It's not how it is. As you depict in the you song, you know, yeah. like it's totally different the recoil the it's yeah, very physical, yeah. and like the adrenaline that yeah. runs through your body because of it and like well you've also you've 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 put this idea forth in a song called velvet for sale yeah which i was just puzzling over this notion and then as you get into the song lyrics it's almost like an enticement isn't it yeah it's like a yeah come to me come it's like a spider <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Luring yeah. A, a victim. Well, that phrase comes from Norman Mailer. Is that right? You're quoting Norman Mailer. Which is perfect for this song because, yeah. you know, like. Manly man. He, if all the women that he abused had had guns, yeah. maybe we wouldn't have, like, you know, another misogynist Nobel Prize winner or whatever the fuck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, mean? like. He, yeah, it, it goes, I mean, I try to mention it whenever I can, that, like, you know, people don't know he stabbed his wife yeah, no, and I, got away with it, yeah. you know, and it's just absurd. Yeah. And he's still heralded as this, which I don't, when I read his novel, his books, I'm sick. Like, yeah. he makes me sick. Right. Like, it's not hidden for me. He doesn't hide, I don't feel like he hides his misogyny. Because he he's never had to. No. He got on fine with it. And people still, you know, like... So, yeah, that comes from... If women just started acting like men and using the tools that we do have, you know, sex being one of them, yeah, to, yeah, as a kind of web. There's a lot of interpersonal... Uh, uh, scenarios. I guess there are many interpersonal scenarios on this record. Yeah. Do you view this as sort of like a case-by-case -case study of relationships on some level? I mean, from my perspective, you know, and my, ex I mean... I mean, some of it seems yeah. like you. I, I would say some yeah, of it seems I mean, it's first all, person. Yeah, I mean, it's all me. It's all you. For sure. Okay. It's all things that, like, I've either experienced or experienced through friends or experienced through things on the street or... I'm all over it. It's fascinating because for me, as a fan of yours and a, a listener, I, I, for some reason in my head, I'm like, oh, that's clearly, that happened to Meg. But other songs, I'm like, oh, I think she's telling a story. Well, like Rage of Plastics, I didn't write that song. That's a Simone and Schmidt song. Yeah, an amazing song. And I, that's, you know, but I have a, 
my a relationship to that song that is personal so I put myself in it you know and it's not because I know Simone know and love Simone it's because I grew up in the oil business so I'm processing that song through my experience of like knowing that zone intimately knowing the management of that kind of world knowing the worker of that kind of world um knowing that like i grew you know i grew up in a kind of setting that was like everything i'm fighting against now yeah this idea of like whatever's good for business is what's good making this living just leads to dying is that the making line? this living just brings about brings dying, about dying. Sorry. i mean it's incredible yeah that song is i think it's just one of the best songs written in the last little while it is and i wondered if, i know like you alluded to the fact that you know simone i think she's one of the most underrated and strongest writers going yeah and she puts when you listen to rage of plastics or you read the lyrics to rage of plastics i see a dedication to her craft oh my lord that i don't see in other Unreal. places like she works very hard at this and yeah isn't i don't think taken serious enough for it like this song is she's taken serious by by anyone that comes in contact with simone though you know like yeah that's true so and simone's writing is they're never gonna let simone fully on you know what is being said is too important and against what the kind of structures that are out there to push out culture stand for. So it's never, you know, we have to have those people that are saying no and let's look at it from this other way outside of these structures. And I think speaking for people who don't have a voice on some level as well is something that... And this song is just, I encourage people to listen to the song and if they can seek out the lyrics to the song. Yeah. Because it is within this, another person I think who is on the road potentially to some serious prose writing or capable uh, of uh, a stunning novel or something. Uh, I mean, yeah. just some of the turns of phrase in that song. Anyway, now we've, Simone, it's too much Simone. I think we've given her too much <laughs> praise now. Uh, I, this, it's one of two covers on the song. Yeah. The other's Time. Yeah. Whose song is Time? Time is Micah Blue Smaldon, who's a, just an old friend of mine I've known since I was, I don't know, 16 or 17 years old. He was a guy who was like in hardcore punk bands who got obsessed with finger picking and then went on this whole other zone. He's yeah. from Maine, so he's one of these northeastern weirdo folk guys that kind of came about in the 2000s mm-hmm. um he started making solo records he and i've he always he's probably one of the reasons why i started u.s girls i was always playing in bands and he was always like you should play by yourself and you should sing because you're you just you don't need anybody yeah just do it on your own like whatever you want you know just just do it doesn't matter if you don't play an instrument like just do it and he also was the only ever person that ever, whenever I was in bad relationships, unhealthy relationships, would tell me. Yeah, he could tell. <laughs> he would be like, no, you're making bad choices or like you're hurting yourself. Get yeah. out of there. Do this. Right. So he's a real good friend. I owe him a lot. That's from the last record he made. It was like an EP. Came out maybe 
2013 or 14. And I just loved that song. It's very, um, I like how it relates to the, the planet. Is he still making music? I'm sure he is. Oh, okay. I don't think, I mean, I'm, he's going to be playing guitar every day. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think he's put out a record for a bit. I'm yeah, sure yeah. he plays live and stuff still. We don't even touch as much as we used to. Um, I don't think he'll ever stop making music. But I just always loved that song and wanted to cover it. And on his album, it's a dirge. It's real slow and kind of similar to Rage of Plastics. You bit, know, yeah. it's like, so these are both just two songs that I could see in another way. On, that wasn't, it wasn't um, that I didn't, you know, I loved their version so much that for me, it was like, I want to make these songs like candy, you know, yeah. like because their original versions aren't, they're maybe for a tailor, you know, certain slice of culture people, you know, like it's not going to be an across the board that where it's like my mom could hear this and she would be like, oh, it has a confection. You know? Like, I feel like you've added. Yeah, you made it a bit more. I don't want to say palatable, but it's well, that danceable. Was the point, though, and, like yeah. candy, like people just yeah. like wanting to consume it yeah. instantly. Like, oh, yes, this is. Yeah, I like this. And so time, on the record, your on your record time is like a seven minute. Song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you like when we last spoke? You were about to make this record. Yeah. And you had uh, you were going to work with the Cosmic Range. Is that yeah. what ended up happening? Yeah. Here? So everything here is. I mean, you've got and you've worked with a lot of different, a uh, few different producers and yeah. songwriters, but primarily this is the Cosmic Range. Cosmic Range is on all but two songs. Right. Po- poem and Rosebud, and even on those two songs, that, like Matt Doc Dunn yeah. plays vibes on them and stuff like that so they're still on there but yeah cosmic range tracked everything so is there a reason why time i just couldn't help but think it was self-referential this notion of the longest i believe it's the longest song and it's a jam yeah is about time (laughs) like it's a time consuming kind of exercise yeah yeah and that's what it is live and that's what's fun about it this this record that we're playing live is everything is just so yeah songs start they end it's very touched everything is very thought out and time is at the end of the set and the end of the album where we get to have fun yeah so live it's different every night it's changing live it's especially this joke you know of kind of taunting the audience challenging them to come with us yeah. because you've decided to come here and give us your time so we're going to use it and you know this kind of thing so it's you know yeah it's a joke but it's a serious no, one I, I and that's what I think is important about this song uh, the idea behind this song is like when you're really busy there's no time. You know what I mean? But yeah. when there, so, and thinking about time, we're always thinking it in, re, in, in regards to our own schedule. Yes, that's right. You're not thinking about it in terms of like, when I start thinking about the planet, I'm just like, oh. So when you start thinking about time in terms of the planet, you don't exist. That's right. And I think that's what's really important right. to be doing all of us right now. Like, that we do matter but we don't and we're just this blip and even all this awful shit that's going on right now even though the planet is sick it's like 
going to carry on. Time is the constant. Time yes. is the force. Time is going to outlive us. It's nothing. It's everything. You know, it's, yeah, it's this weird. whole... And that's... I mean, abstract thinking is what is missing. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Right now. Yeah. Because we're just... You can't... It's almost like... I don't know if you can... Yeah, thinking abstractly while staring into a mirror is, like, very difficult. Mm-hmm. It's true. That's so true. it's... Good way of putting it. I think we... It's like we got to get out of the mirror. This song, a uh, poem, contains the uh, phrase in a poem, Unlimited, which I thought was an interesting turn of phrase. I, I hadn't encountered it before. Maybe I'm missing something. What does that mean to you, in a poem, Unlimited? Um... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's, it's from Shakespeare. Is it? Yeah, it's from Hamlet. I, I've heard of him, and I've read that play, but it just did not occur to me. I should have Googled it. I, you know, I don't have great connection to Hamlet or anything like that. But um, It's an interesting turn of phrase. Yeah, I mean, that's what it is. What does it mean to you? In, in particularly in relation to... Our, our conversation about time. This notion of in a poem, unlimited, <laughs> almost infinite. What does that mean? I mean, for me, why I related to the phrase or what it means to me for the album is this idea of there's a lot of different songs on here. There's a lot of different styles, different kind of people talking, and that that's okay. You know what I mean? It, it, and it's the differences, if you allow it, make it into a whole yeah. you know instead yeah. of it like there's this fear of like that people can't um, take variety or something or they really need to know what's going on yeah. like it needs to be tried and true and tested like before we put it out in the marketplace you know where it's Focus like groups and whatnot. I just yeah, sure. think that that's um, that's actually not accurate yeah. and uh, people need to get away from that so you know that phrase uh that's what that phrase means to me. Okay. But it means something else in terms of theater and Shakespeare. So you should look it up. Well, you've the album cover says U.S. Girls in yeah. a poem unlimited. Yeah. And I thought that was fascinating. It's like yeah. a marquee. <laughs> yeah. So it is like a play or a film or something. Yeah. yeah. We talked earlier about uh, interpersonal relationships. And I'm struck uh, by the fact that M-A-H, yeah. mad as hell, seems to be about a very specific relationship you have with someone. <laughs> and the last time you were on the show, yeah. we talked at length because of the time. And the time doesn't seem to, uh, bring up time again, 
seems to be the same time almost, like just confusion. But you, we talked about the fact that you didn't vote. You never voted. No. You never voted. Is that still the case? You didn't vote in the last election. No, I did you not. You never voted. And uh, you also said that Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump, Democratic Party, Republican Party, two sides of the same coin. Like nothing really different there. That's what you said at the time. That's how I feel to, to this day. <laughs> so I bring all that up because Mad as Hell is like a... Basically, I think, a repudiation, a reevaluation, even, of Barack Obama's tenure as president. Is that accurate? That's accurate. And you're not happy? No. I'm not happy with, you know, that job. The job of his president. Yeah, any, any, I don't like that Polit- role, politics, you know? It's yeah. like anyone who wants to be in that position, I think, is... Can I, I've been swearing a lot. You is can that swear, okay? yeah. Anyone who wants to be in that position is fucked up. Yeah. Like, real fucked up, and that's why they want to get in that position. You mean they have some sort of psychological issue? Yeah. Power, hungry, what is it? Ego? I don't know what it is. It's different for each one who gets in there. Because he seemed, and seems, like kind of a cool guy. Yeah. But I, yeah, that's but what you talk about in this song. You talk about how he presents himself versus yeah. the things he... And, and specifically, I believe, from what I can gather, you're mad at his warmongering. We talked about this, too. You're like, anyone who's for war in any way, I'm against. Yeah. And you're talking about drone strikes here, I believe. Yeah. And you're talking about that kind of cowardly, implicit warmongering where we don't even know what's going on on some level, and certainly the victims don't know what's happening, because it's coming from the sky. I mean, and it's even more than that, you know? For me, Obama, how he presented himself and things, like, he should have gone into office. I mean, this is the problem, though, is the presidency, you're just, it's just a puppet. It's just a, you you can't really do anything because even though the idea is that you can through the right channels, it's not accurate because we don't really understand how the game works. Right. There's some people that we don't see that are controlling everything and they're corporations, they're it's this thing that we don't really exactly know, but we're like supposed to look at the presidency and like that's the distraction. I agree right? with you. I totally so agree. So it's very, you know. I mean, it's, we talk about Obama, and he was up against McConnell and Paul Ryan and a bunch of Republican stooges who and John Boehner who were just resolute. Yeah. As soon as he was elected, we're not going to give this guy anything because. Yeah. I think because of racism. Yeah. I think because their base was so angry yep. at this guy. Yeah. And that's what we're seeing now is this pushback against everything he did. And so on some level, he wasn't able to accomplish very much until second term when they said, forget it. We're not going to work with them. Executive yeah. order everything. But even this is the thing. Like, I found out through this last election, I found out how radical I am. Okay, because, you know, I think Obama should have cut the military budget. You know, I don't think, like, I think it's completely wrong that Osama bin Laden wasn't given a trial. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, this, this stuff that it's just like, 
And also any president or person in that position of power that isn't calling right now for a stop to all, like everything that's killing the planet. Yeah. Like it is, it's like time. It's past time. Like, yeah, it's past time. So maybe that's why we should just, everyone's just partying. You know what I mean? Like, no, it's just no. like, fuck it. There's a nihilistic. Which I understand. Yeah, no, there's which a, is, because yeah. in terms of time, it's okay because this will be erased, I guess. But, you know, it's just, the fact that Obama didn't go into office and didn't comment or try to stop the militarization of police forces that were killing, like, yeah mostly black people you know like these kinds of basic things that and it's hard for me because i'm saying i'm critiquing him right as a white woman but i'm still like i see this the i see that how valid it is for him as a symbol that he got into office and how that's important for people to see a black man in a position of power yeah that is important. Can't take that away from him. Don't want to. Don't want to take that away from anyone that that was important for. But it's the same thing as Hillary. You know what? I see her as a man. And I see Obama, like, you know, as the same as these fucking... Like, he's like Bill Clinton to me, basically. Yeah. Same fucking thing. Smooth talking, you know? snake Smooth talking. And is like, you know, it, and it's like this thing where it's like, this is super crude, but it's like, Trump is at least what you see is what you get. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's what's hard about it. Whereas, a, you know, Bill Clinton or Obama or a Trudeau is like, but I want you to like me still. There so, is, like, let's yeah. chat about music and then I'm going to fuck you. You that, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's just like, yeah. like Bill Clinton, he's like, I'm cool, I play saxophone, but, like, I'm going to go rape this woman and I'm going to, like, take all of these donations from these lobbyists to put towards these fill and you know help people but really it's so that you know like come on so the office the, what you're saying i think is that the office is basically measured by the men and not their actions so basically we've had a series of of these people men who uh mo for the most part very few instances in history where they don't behave in a highly uh, intellectual, civil way. You know, they exhibit decorum. They follow all the rules of decorum. Now we have a, a you have a, they, America, has a person that doesn't do that at all and everyone's freaking out. But there is also, on particularly on Twitter, there is a real pushback against people who didn't, who sat it out, who sat the election out, didn't sure. vote, sure. and said, can you honest, they all say, can you honestly say there was no difference between these two people? So I bring this up now mm -hmm. yeah. because I know, despite what you've just said, because yeah. I think I know what you're going to say, <laughs> they're all the same. But you have to admit, we would be in a, I'm, okay, I'm going through this period of anxiety personally. Mm -hmm. I used to, I think a lot of people, when they have stress and anxiety, they seek some respite from the world, in the world, mm -hmm. like in the culture. You know, sure. I'm just going to watch a comedy. I'm going to do something. I don't, there's, for people who have whatever, uh, you know, this kind of stress in their lives, I feel now, because of Trump and because of the way your, that country is operating uh, and causing a massive effect globally, there's no respite. I, I don't see where the relief is. So on the one hand, I see what you're saying. I don't think I would feel it would be hidden from me. <laughs> 
if Hillary was president. That's the thing, but it will be the same thing. The and same. this is like yeah. why people don't speak up in families, okay? Yeah. Say you're in an abusive situation in a family. It's like most likely a lot of times people stay quiet because it's easier on you yep. actually as a victim to yep. stay quiet almost because people aren't supportive. They say, why did you bring this up? Why are you bringing this up now? That's in the past, you yeah. know, this kind of thing. But you have to, you, the rotten stuff, if you don't deal with it, it comes up. Yeah. So Hillary would have gotten in there and it would honestly be, it wouldn't be exactly the same, of course. It wouldn't but feel it the wouldn't same. be, yes, but like people need to get over feeling good. Like, what about the rest of the world yeah. that America's been torturing for fucking decades that feel like shit? And it's like, w- while we've just been like watching Netflix and chilling out and get watch people get Grammys and like You're whatever. Right. And it's not fair. And I'm sorry, but America and Canada both like with America, I just can't participate. Like it's bad from the original sin, yeah. you know, which is like. We came in, we stole this land, and then we had stolen people build up the fucking buildings and the infrastructure so that we could make money off the stolen land and off the work of the stolen people. And when your government, that's the birth of your government, the, the progression of that, like, it's, it's just, this is where we're supposed to be because we never dealt with the original sin. That's and it's fair. just going to keep... So I think, you know, especially, huh. you know. So that's fascinating. That's totally true. And I think it's happened. It's the same in Canada. And unfortunately, <laughs> you know, because it's coming here. Yeah. And it's coming. We it's saw here. it with Ford winning, yeah, you know, it's, and it's, it's like Trudeau sucks. Yeah. He's a liar. He doesn't give a shit about the indigenous people. He doesn't give a shit about the land. Or and us. The cli- and the climate, yeah. Mostly what he cares about is his, how he's perceived yes. and how he looks. And so you're speaking to a flaw in politics because that's almost all politics I is. I know, and that's why it's thing. a problem. Is like peop- it's just, just like with everything. Everything's like a brand now. Yeah. And we're just like picking what brand we like the most. Well, it's, and fascinatingly, when people who have things to say, uh, whether they represent the Green Party in Canada whether it's Sanders, Bernie mm-hmm. Sanders, or uh, Ralph Nader, everyone fixates on what they look like. Yeah. Their clothes. Oh, well, he, owns, he only owns two suits. Yeah. What the hell? He must yeah. be crazy. Yeah. He's not a materialistic dick. <laughs> so it is, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, and it's a, it's a valid, it's totally valid. Um, I want to ask you about the two, uh, let's call them field, they're field recordings. Uh-huh. Because I feel like they're telling in themselves. Uh, yeah. The first... One is called Why Do I Lose My Voice When I Have <laughs> Something to Say? Yeah. The other one uh, is kind of fascinating as well. It's called Traviata. Yeah. And, uh, which is a, an opera, I believe. Yeah. About uh, a woman scorned, or a fallen woman or something like yeah. that. I don't yeah. know it intimately. I found those just as telling in terms of the messaging. Sure. Because you're talking a lot here about women and yeah. women's voices and, uh, and, and being able to speak out. And in the first case, it's you basically, what do you have, laryngitis or something? Yeah, I'm just super sick. And you're lamenting. Oh, yeah, because but, but I got shows to play and like I can't. Yeah. 
speak and it that was recorded after the um first republican debates oh wow when i and i got very upset watching them and i pretty much lost my voice and i had gone i had to go the next day to new orleans to play a show for a room of white men that were eating at a buffet and i ended up screaming (laughs) on stage at everybody because this is way early. This is the Republican debates, like choosing a candidate. Yeah, like, this is like way guys, early. And people? I was yeah. upset then. And people were still thinking at that point that this was a joke. Jeb Bush Trump or was a would joke. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I mean, I knew then. Because if I know anything about America, it's just like they they like the guy whose face they've seen the most or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Popularity Trump's been contest. around for fucking ever. Yeah. So... I was worried then, and I'm at this show, and these people are eating from this buffet, and I just was like, oh, no one's, and I was upset and screaming at them, and and then, yeah, Father John Misty's involved, is a whole long story, but I lost my voice, and I was in a hotel room in New Orleans, and I had to cancel my next show, and I recorded that because it was true, you know, I was shocked into... I, w- I was scared from that debate. Shocked into silence. Yeah, but it was at the worst possible time, yeah. you know? Like, I wanted to be talking to people, I wanted, and I, w- I had to not, you know, yeah. not talk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the last record, Half Free, had these kind of interstitial things. Uh, they were a little more elaborate, I believe. Or was, was there only the one? I can't There's remember. a phone call. The phone yeah, call. Yeah. But it was kind of like it was a theatrical, it was like yeah, an acted yeah. out thing. Yeah. This is just kind of... Con- and is the, is the the second one... That's tri- real. Is that a... What is it? A cab driver or yeah, something? Yeah, it's a yeah, cab driver yeah. in Toronto. Yeah. So he's, he questions what you do for a living and you say, I'm a singer. And he guesses you're singing this. Of all the things he could mention, <laughs> Traviata, I just found it very fascinating. What did I you know. make of that? I mean, I didn't even know what Traviata was till after. Right, and when you found out, I in mean, terms I, of I the mean, it's shocking. Yeah. In terms of the record, yeah. in terms of him perceiving you as a young woman. Yeah, he really got it. It's really strange. It was a great call. I mean, uh, or cab ride. It was like a twenty-minute cab ride. I just broken my toe. Remember? Huh? I saw you. I, we played in Guelph. Oh, that's right. And yeah. like two days before, I had broken my toe. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we had borrowed a van from Andy Shaw oh, yeah, to yeah. drive, and I had just taken the van back to him, and I couldn't walk, so I had to take a cab home. And I only had $20, and I had to get in this cab with this guy and say, I only have $20, but I need to go to, like, way far out. Can you give me a ride? And he said yes. Yeah, cool. And we talked the whole time, and I recorded it. I didn't tell him I recorded it, which is maybe wrong. <laughs> but... Um, he was hilarious yeah. and there was way i mean the whole the record i wish i could have included the whole call because there was a lot in there it's not a call it was an in-person yeah, thing. yeah i yeah, keep yeah, calling yeah. it a call yeah, but, yeah, yeah yeah um the conversation was fascinating and that part was i mean it was it was great to um i mean his re- just response to saying i was a singer is hilarious he went to opera he went to opera, but he also just, you know, there's another part of it before that I cut out where he's like, you're a spy. Yes, but that's in there. Oh, it's in? Yeah. Oh, I thought I cut it what, out. What, are you a spy? No, yeah, I'm yeah. a singer. <laughs> yeah. What are you saying? No, you a spy. Yeah. Why would he think you're a spy? Because he's just this kooky guy. <laughs> like, he asked me at one point, like, if I liked, 
we were listening to classical music and he's like do you like mozart uh-huh. and i'm like yeah actually i just watched amadeus <laughs> and he's like get out of my cab get out give me phone number to your mama i'm gonna call her he's like what the hell does that mean okay <laughs> i don't know but like he was very into classical music okay. and like I liked chatting with him and telling him I'm a singer where he is. He doesn't know anything about the zone I'm at. Sure, he doesn't sure, sure. care about it at all. He thinks like pop music is shit. That's fascinating. You know, and it was, there's plenty of times, mostly the people I'm talking to are people that know who I am, yeah. that kn- have a reference. And there's a certain like, he didn't totally irreverent. Well, that's interesting. Cause he is, if his only real sense of music is classical, he reverted. I mean, it's not classical, but he he just assumed you would be in within that realm. I know. He didn't think of any other realm. I know. That's so fascinating. Yeah. What, what, and it was refreshing. What's not you know? What's not on the clip is your response. What did you end up saying when he said that? No, I said I'm a, I said again I'm a singer. Do you and remember how you re- when he said Traviata? Did you say no, or do you remember what you said? No. <laughs> I'd have to listen to yeah, it. Yeah, I'm just curious. I just wonder. To, it, it left me wanting more. Like on this record. I mean, I should post the whole call. <laughs> or call. I keep calling it call. Yeah. I think because yeah. the last one. Well, plus it's on a phone. It was on a you phone. Recorded on a phone, I think. But you know, yeah. No, I wish I could find him. I'm just totally fascinated by it. Uh, and like I say, on an album full of scenes, it's just the, the two are telling in themselves but that's life do you know what i mean these two things really came from life you know i didn't record that i'm losing my voice thing because i'm like i'm gonna use this on album it was like uh, you know that's the stuff that i do just in life to live right and and life is i mean there's just so you can't write it do you know what i mean and if we were all looking at like the, the the interest that we put into culture and what celebrities are up to and what other people are doing online, if we put that attention and focused it on what our actual experience is and our self and how we relate to other people, how we relate to the world, and, like you'd be endlessly fascinated, interested, engaged yeah. in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, that's where I'm at in my life how I'm trying to be, how I'm trying to, and it's painful mm-hmm. and it's a lot of work, but it's so rewarding and it's necessary. And it's like, it's just like, it's you're eating life then, you know? Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. Um, I feel like at times in my life when I've been distracted by the distractions that are given to us, yeah. the, what people are doing and whatever things, the way I feel about myself and my life in those times is like I have a to-do list that's a mile long yeah. and I'm ignoring it by watching the movie and doing the stuff. But that list is still there and you know it's there and it's stressing you out. You just, you're not giving it a name. Yeah. And when you're actively checking things off that to-do list, th- it never stops. It never gets shorter. New things always get on. But at least like you're engaged in it and you feel like you're making some sort of headway. Whereas when you're ignoring it, it's like, I think that's where stress, illness, yeah. all kinds of yeah. stuff comes. I think your body reacts to, uh, yeah, I don't think we, I think what you're saying maybe, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, is that I think we underestimate the power of our minds on our beings all the time. 
Yeah. And so, <laughs> and the way we viscerally react to things is actually having a huge impact on the way we see things and the way we react to things generally. Yeah. It's a yeah. cumulative thing. These bodies of ours, they just take it all in. They store it. Yeah. This record's incredible, and I appreciate Thanks. your time talking about it. I feel like I hope we talked about it enough. I feel yeah. like we talked. We always end up talking we'll talk about, about it all, all sorts of things. We want to. <laughs> uh, what is next for you? Just some more touring. Yeah. Uh, and like a little bit fall and winter, and starting a new record. You already thinking about it? Yeah. Are there because the record's been out since February, as you said, and you've taken it out on the road. I know you've done some press. Um, as I recall, you don't spend a lot of time dwelling on stuff like that, press and and reviews no. and stuff. But are there any misperceptions about this record that you've come across that you want to dispel, or are you just in a are you closed off from that stuff? Yeah, I don't think so. It's rare for me to talk I mean to someone so long after, a or I mean, I mean, six yeah. or seven months after yeah, records yeah. come out, because that reaction. I think we talked about this the last time. When music journalism gets lazy, it kind of first of all they just glom onto your one sheet, and then the yeah. second thing I think that happens is that thread emerges among the coverage yeah someone says something and it kind of can blow up i don't read the coverage yeah. i've only read the few things that max or like you, someone said yeah. this is really good or yeah. like the yeah. new york there was a thing in the new yorker yeah, that came to yeah. our house so it's like right i didn't even read the full thing i like <laughs> glanced I over i like to look at the pictures of the things like, if I've done photo shoots, I'll be like, oh, let's see the picture. <laughs> um, but I know from doing the interviews, yes, a lot of the same questions. But what I have noticed is that if you're serious and you're making something with good intentions and, like, your full self in it, that people kind of want to meet you yeah. there. Yeah. So I've had a lot of really good interviews and, like, people that are, like, genuinely curious and want to connect pieces and like relate this to their own experience and things like that and that's been nice has this been okay you okay yeah okay. oh i love talking with you always but <laughs> just making sure um <laughs> i don't i'm not sure i mean i know how it's been perceived by people that i've talked to at shows yeah that's what you i mean. know but yeah. like i can't Whatever. i'm not gonna tell people how to perceive yeah, yeah, it yeah. either you too so I, yeah. I can't you know oh and i'm not gonna lose sleep if someone's like thinks that I'm actually encouraging gun sales in Bel You know what I mean? Like, if someone wants to go there, okay, that's fine. Like, well, there's the risk questions. of that, sure, yeah. you know? But it's like, you'd have to look, I mean, you'd have to really, uh, that would mean you would be ignoring every other thing yeah, I've yeah, ever yeah, done yeah, yeah, that's yeah, saying yeah. I don't do, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know? So it's like, what can I say if someone wants to use it for bad intent, you know? It's a strange thing. You put stuff out in the world and people are totally free to interpret it any way they want. Yeah, and you have no control over it. So you, gotta so let it go. you just got to let it go. But, I mean, yeah. I think that's why it's important not to read, not to, as a person who makes stuff, I can't then consume those. I can't consume the content that's made around the yeah. thing I've made because yeah. that's um, poison poison i understand and i think it seeps into like you're working how you make things Absolutely. and like yeah. 
the next time you go to make something, all that stuff's going to be in your head and you're going to be trying to cater to everybody and make yeah. everyone feel good. And it's just not possible. Yeah. You know, I think that, and that's not even the point. You made this record with the Cosmic Range, which uh, I've lost count, but it's like an eight to 10 person yeah. group, right? Yeah. And are you, you're kind of touring in that configuration? We're eight live. Eight live. Does any of that, when you think about the next record, do you want to minimize? Do you want to keep this group together? I think where I'm at right now with the next record is just I know how I want to make it and I want it to all be live. Yeah. Vocals. Everything. Everything live in the room the way records used to be made. Yeah. As a kind of a realism and uh, transparency. Yeah. And whereas this one was different. This one is very produced. Yeah. It's like we're like comping vocals down to the, you know, making it. Using the production, you know, tropes that are used on the radio, sure. basically. Yeah. I want to go the opposite way of okay. that. Um, so that's what I'm focusing on right now is how that will happen, what that looks like. Because you can't just, for me as a singer, some singers could just walk into that setting with their sheet music and the songs right, and be able to do it. I'm going to have to <laughs> practice for months ahead of yeah, time sure, of course. in order to do it. And where do you do it? What room do you do it in? What instruments will lend themselves to that kind of thing? Right. So where I'm at right now is in that, thinking in that way, and thinking a lot about um, what to learn from nostal you know, the nostalgia that we love about old recordings. Yeah. yeah. What's to be taken from that, and how uh, this way of recording could be challenging in a cool way to songwriting, where it's like maybe we're not using drums because drums are really loud in a room mm -hmm. maybe we're using other percussion things to make up a drum sound oh, okay you know yeah yeah yeah. this is early stages though right i mean this t i mean your thought process i mean yeah it's not i mean the record we have a set we have a release date or release time frame so it's happening oh it's happening <laughs> yeah. you, you have the songs not no oh, no oh okay it's coming Yes. We're in early stages, okay. But but there's a timeline. That's yeah. fascinating. Okay, <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to get put any pressure on you. Okay. Well, is there one song from uh, from this record that we can go out on that you would pick for us? I like Rosebud. No, you know what, Lover. Lover. Why yeah. did you pick that one? Because I think that's been a. It's one of my favorite songs on the record. Some good puns in that song. I really think so. <laughs> I like the puns. You get it, right? I get the puns. Yeah. I think it's. Funny. It is funny. No one else has said that. I like reading. I I asked for the lyrics. It's sheet. like the Rolling Stones. You get Rolling Stones. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Satisfaction. Yes, it's very good. I like it. I like yeah, it. Yeah, it's hilarious. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Did you write this one on your own? Or was that Max with Max? And I. You and Max. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Max made like a beat and then, yeah. Okay. Let's go with that. Okay. All right. This is Lover by U.S. Girls. The new record is in a poem unlimited. And Meg, I. Uh, I uh, thank you for your time as thank always. I love you. talking to you. Love talking to you. And I, I wish you the best of luck with everything. You too.
Special thanks again to Meg Remy of U.S. Girls for being on this, the 407th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and available on all iOS and Android platforms and also on things like Spotify and YouTube and Audio Boom as well. If you can't find an episode that you're looking for on any of those platforms or if you wish to learn more about me and sign up for my regularly scheduled newsletter, please visit my website, vishkana.com, V-I-S-H-K-H-A-N-N-A.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Vish Creative or at Vishkana. You can listen to a radio show version of Creative Control on Wednesdays at noon, Eastern Standard Time, around the world, CFRU.ca, or on an actual radio at 93.3 FM if you're in or near Guelph. Also, please consider visiting uh, patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to keep this podcast going. Thank you to everyone who does that. I'd like to thank uh, Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee, and Granddad's Donuts and Planet of Sound for their in-kind support of this show. Thanks to my friend Jim Guthrie for letting me use the instrumental version of his song, The Rest Is Yet to Come, to end this show each week. Visit jimguthrie.org for more info about Jim. Thanks to you, uh, of course, for listening to this show, spreading the word about it, reviewing it and rating it positively, downloading episodes, and subscribing to it. That's a big thing. Please subscribe to the show if you haven't already. There's lots of content there. There's like 400 episodes. If you're new to the show, like there's just a lot. If you don't mind me saying so, there's a lot of stuff. So again, thanks for subscribing to the show. I have to go. I will talk to you very soon. Goodbye for now. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTER Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.